Hello and welcome to Story on the Spot. Hopefully we're live and everything is working well. The little red thing is on, so it looks like we're live. My name is Jim Heskett, sitting over there as I point the opposite direction it looks like I should be pointing, is Mr. <laughs> Craig A. Hart. And down below, this, that way. Ish. <laughs> the dread just point to himself. Hey, there you go, <laughs> Mr. R. A. McGee. That's right. Yeah, some some of the streaming things mirror it, so you can point the way it looks like you'd be pointing, <laughs> but some doesn't. So it's just the opposite. Anyway, hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Story on the Spot. Uh, Kevin Tomlinson should be joining us, but maybe he won't. So I don't know. I guess we're just going to find out what happens. Uh, Lisa Badger says hello. Hello, Lisa. Thank Badger. you for joining us, Badger. We are glad you're spending some time with us. Okay, so what I am going to do is do, do, do drop this up here. First of all, last week, Nick and RA tied for the win. Congratulations. Oh, yay. But he's not here, <laughs> so, so I'll yep. accept the trophy on his behalf. Yeah, so okay. effectively, you get, you get to keep 100% of the win, RA. Yeah, tie goes to the shower-upper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that should be an official story on the spot rule. Um, so I should probably explain what we're doing here before we actually get started. What we're going to be doing here is I am going to put some story prompts on the screen and these two guys, or maybe three, if, uh, Kevin does show up, these guys are going to pitch some story ideas and it'll probably be a short show if there's only three of us. <laughs> uh, here we go. But today we have a bonus word. Mm. The bonus word is confluence, an act or process of merging. So if you can work the bonus word confluence into your pitches, you get a bonus point for each pitch. And we all know points are everything. No, they don't, they don't really mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> don't talk about points like that, man. Points are important to me. Okay? Points are important. Okay. So we'll see. Uh, okay. Here is our first story of the day. This is called Winning Losers. Otis Latham, 47, and Russell Sparks, 48, of Mississippi, were arrested after they allegedly hatched a cockamamie scheme to win the lottery. The two arrived at the Mississippi Lottery Corp in Flowood and presented a losing $100,000 ticket, upon which they had glued the winning numbers, according to authorities. Flowood police arrested the pair, who were charged with conspiracy to commit a felony and uttering a counterfeit instrument of more than $1,000. I, I don't know what this one. Uh, oh, all right, Craig. Hit us with it. What do you got? All right. Well, um, Otis's name is actually Confluence Latham. <laughs> 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 no, no, no. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll, I'll forge ahead anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. So these guys and Nick's not here, so I'm gonna. So clearly. Obviously, <laughs> you know, these guys got got in deep with the mafia and they owe them some money. And, you know, they had this business scheme going. It, you know how we all are. We we get really deep, hundred thousand dollars deep in debt. I think we all do that now and then. Sure, sure. And uh, we have a business scheme that's going to work out. So we don't worry about it. Well, these this business idea for a confluence actually ended up falling through. So they go to the mafia because uh, he has a, a cousin named Vinny, and uh, conveniently enough. 
and like, hey, I need to borrow some money. And Vinny's like, oh, no, no problem, man. Uh, anything you need, I'll give it to you. <laughs> I need Jim to do my accents for me. Uh, <laughs> hey, Nick's not here. You can do them today. That's right. I can't. <laughs> um, what the hell was I talking about? Oh, so sorry, they borrowed Vinny. money from the, <laughs> Vinny. Hey. And uh, hey, he's a you know, he's the kind of guy who wears the, you know the track suit. He's he's got the the mesh shoes with the foot powder that puffs out of him as he walks. <laughs> <laughs> well, it comes out and and Vinny wants payment, of course, and so the guys can't figure out how to get it, and so they come up with this idea to uh, you know make up this this lottery number. But the the, the twist is that Vinny's cousin actually works for the the lottery department of the state. And uh, he knows what they're up to. And so not only are they going to pay for trying to, to forge, but Vinny's on to him. So they're going to have a few broken knees. <laughs> Very nice. See, Roland says, how you'll be uttering confluence into this will be interesting. <laughs> yes, Roland, they will utter. Everyone will yeah. utter confluence. <laughs> yes. yes. You don't utter it. It doesn't count. <laughs> all, right, all right. All right. Do you have a pitch for winning losers? Yeah, yeah, I do. So um, I think that what we they're not telling you about the story is that Russell um, is actually uh, a brilliant, a brilliant uh, theoretical uh, physicist. OK, and so Russell uh, works, you know, worked for MIT and, you know, kind of got kicked out, pushed aside because of some of his more radical ideas. But he is kind of thinking about uh, the confluence between time travel and wealth, okay? And how they intersect at certain points in the timeline, okay? Because you can track anyone's money and how they got rich. There's just certain intersections where opportunity met preparation and things like that. So everything's kind of melded together. And so Russell actually made a time machine, okay? And he went back in time. Russell's actually from the future, okay? And he met Otis and he convinced Otis that, if you will play the lotto numbers that I tell you, right, you will be, uh, you're going to be super rich. You're going to be mega rich. Okay. And, and, and Russell was so convincing that Otis, obviously he believed him. And so, you know, he has made all kinds of, uh, uh, financial preparations in advance of winning this money. You know, he, he has put uh, another, a mortgage on his house. He's bought a lot of stocks and bonds. He's ready to go. Well, the problem is Russell was wrong about the numbers, okay? And so that's left Otis in a pickle because he's financially up the river, and that's left Russell kind of stuck because Otis is ready to kill him because he's ruined him financially. So the only thing that they could think of was to try to forge lotto tickets and win the lottery no matter what. And obviously, you know, theoretical physicists aren't that good at, you know, uttering forged instruments, and that's why they're locked up right now. So what you don't know is that once they go to prison, another future Russell from a different timeline is going to show up and spring them both and uh, try again to make the money. So very nice. Dun, dun, dun. So this story reminds me of um, when I was in high school. Here's a quick little story. I was born in 1976 and a lot of my friends were born in 1977. So in high school, when everyone was trying to get beer if you knew someone who was born in 1977, you could take an exacto knife and change the second seven to a two and then put in a little bit of ink. So everyone born in 1977 had an easy way to make a fake ID from the real ID. They didn't IDs didn't have holograms and 
computer chips yeah. and RFID tags and whatever crap they have now. We didn't have <laughs> right. We didn't have any of that stuff back then. I dig it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to go ahead and move up to our second story here. Don't forget to vote. Uh, idle hands. TikTok user Kevin Wise was looking for his five minutes of fame when he jumped into a fish tank at Bass Pro Shops in Bossier, Louisiana. Bossier, I don't know, Louisiana in late June. I said if I got 2,000 likes, I would jump in the tank, Wise said. I got way more than that, and I didn't want to be a liar. Shopper Treasure McGraw <laughs> recorded video of Wise swimming around in the tank before he climbed out and ran through the store soaking wet. We are a big splash, and I thought it was one of the fish, McGraw said. Wise wouldn't recommend the stunt to others. And here is Jerry Springer's final closing thought. Don't do spur of the moment crap like I do, he warned. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. I'm, 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 you went first last time. <laughs> yeah, you do it. All right. It's only fair. So I think that our, uh, our shopper, uh, Kevin, I think it was his name, right? Yeah. Um, not Tomlinson, obviously. Um, <laughs> I think that Kevin was really kind of put up to it. I think that he was, he was liquored up. Okay. And there's been a, there's just been, uh, uh, an amazing amount of, of, of issues that have popped up in his life. Okay. You know, he lost his job, you know, his girlfriend left him, you know, it's like the makings of a country song. All right. Would you say it's a confluence of problems in his life? That's what I was going to say. No coaching. (laughs) It's rich. That's what I was going to say. You know, (laughs) and you know, all these bad things have happened to him. Okay. And due to this unique confluence of events. Okay. He is easily manipulated because he's been drinking and he's, he's lost in the sauce. Well, uh, you know, Treasure McGraw, the shopper who took a picture of him, is actually the one that put him up to it. They said, listen, you know, Kevin, nobody likes you in, in, in real life. Your family doesn't <laughs> like you. Your, your girlfriend left you. Your dog ran away. Nobody likes you. But social media, right, the social proof that you're a madman will make everyone respect you and love you. And so he jumped in. She took the picture and, uh, you know, obviously uh, he's going to get a little bit of probation time because of his silliness. Uh, And that's if he doesn't kill one of those rare fish that's in the Bass Pro Shops, in which case, you know, uh, the EPA will probably burn him at the stake. So (laughs) do they have do they have rare and exotic fish at the Bass Pro Shop? Some of them. Yeah. You you know, they got those really big tanks with, like you know, they've got like. Just weird fish swimming around and stuff. I don't know. I'm not a fish guy, Jim. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't expect to have to actually source my way through that. You didn't know there were going to be follow-up questions? No! That's not the whole point of this experiment. Let me BS my way through this, Jimothy. No <laughs> hole poking. <laughs> Spur of the moment carp. Uh, well said, Roland. Uh, okay, Craig, what do you got? First of all, I think that Christmas tree is getting closer and closer. <laughs> it is getting closer. It's see? Yep. Time, see? It's like, all right. You guys keep an eye on it. If it gets much closer while I'm not looking, let me know. So this is clearly uh, an example of hiding in plain sight, right? So this spy agency, they use social media to send messages via 
social code. And 2,000 likes is sort of like that's the go meter. So if you get something that reaches 2,000, and of course this is all done by bots. It's not real people liking it. So you're going to just press a button. 2,000 likes, that means that the agent's like, oh, I got to go. And their drop site happens to be at uh, Bass Pro Shops or Gander Mountain or wherever the hell it was. So the guy goes there to, to get the drop. Um, but the person who was supposed to leave the drop, his drop man, uh, was spotted as he was entering because this, the whole operation is getting busted. And so there was a chase, which this didn't meet, uh, make it into the news story, but there was a, a chase through the store and the guy like lobbed it into the tank. And so Kevin has no choice but to get it. And so he comes up with this, I, this cover story about being addicted to social media to explain why he had to dive into the tank to get this uh, special drop but obviously it's you know related to spies and it's not some guy just just being drunk because who believes that right <laughs> who would believe that <laughs> okay everybody next up we have da, 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 it's a bonus round so here we're just gonna have i'm gonna throw out a question and one or both anyone can answer this all right here we go who can pitch me a thriller hero's backstory that heavily involves a clown college? I got it, man. I'm, I'm on it, man. I'm always, I'm ready, dude. I love clowns. Okay. All right. So, Go ahead, Ari. So uh, I think that our hero's name is, uh, we'll call him, uh, we'll call him, we'll call him Bozo. Okay. Bozo <laughs> was aptly named right that's his his actual christian name on legal documents is bozo but as he grew up he realized that he had a, a talent he had a talent for entertaining people he had a talent for making people laugh and so he wanted to lean into that and so he uh signed up for and was accepted by the ringling brothers school of, uh, of clownery okay and uh, i don't know if you guys know but the ringling brothers school is actually harder to get into than harvard it's got a, a lower acceptance rate and so Bozo was really, really proud of himself that he got into the Ringling Brothers School. Well, you know, as he is uh, uh, working on his craft, he soon discovers that uh, things are not what they seem, that the cabal who is in charge of teaching the clowns, the cadre, if you will, uh, they all have an ulterior motive. And so as Bozo... Uh, you know, matriculates through the system, he becomes a senior and he realizes that uh, they are actually all secret assassins and that in all of the great, <laughs> in all of the great uh, assassinations in history, there was always a clown nearby, right? Be it a court gesture in the old days or, you know, more modern mimes and things like that. And so Bozo decides that he wants to break the cycle of assassinations. And so he, you know, there's like a, a great schism and he breaks off and he spends the rest of his time, uh, the rest of his life dedicated to stopping the clown assassination squad and uh, and uh, standing between us normal people and the deadly clown scourge. So I like that. OK. Craig, do you have a pitch for a clown college wow. backstory for Go a thriller? For it, yeah. Um, so do you guys remember, it's been, a, it's been some years now, back when the IRS decided to rebrand themselves as the new IRS, like they were going to be in the nicer, kinder IRS. I don't know if mm. you remember that. It was, nobody took it seriously, of course. Mm. Well, this, the, uh, 
this thrill, this spy ring, the they're trying to do the same thing. You know, they've gotten a bad rap with torture and all this stuff. Like, you know what? We have a bad image right now. We need to kind of recapture the trust and, and respect of, of the public. And so they decide that they're all going to conduct their business in the persona of clowns. And so you've got to actually get into this clown, which is, it's a confluence of entertainment and law enforcement. You see, <laughs> And um, <laughs> no, <laughs> keep it together, Craig. You can I do it. can't. <laughs> you know how silly I am. No, but but and that's but really that's their excuse to con- continue conducting their torture. So instead of like waterboarding and pulling toenails or whatever it is they do, they perform clown things. Like they they ride around in unicycles and play circus music until whoever it is that they're interrogating is like fine, I'll tell you where Al-Qaeda is hiding, that kind of thing. And so far, it, it's worked out great, but of course there is currently a case before the Supreme Court, and they're arguing that that's actually worse than waterboarding. So we'll see how that how that plays out. Right. the confluence. Okay, <laughs> story number three, least competent criminal. An unnamed 29-year-old man in Berlin, Germany, triggered alarms at a supermarket when he tried to leave without paying for $5.65 in merchandise. Police had little trouble apprehending the man because, in his hurry to escape, he left his 8-year-old son behind. Not only did the burglar's accessory help police identify him, but the thief fell down as he was escaping and ended up in the hospital. Okay. You want to go first, Craig? If not, I'll buy you some time. Go ahead. (laughs) All right. I'm ready to tap dance here. Okay. (laughs) So um, I think that everything in this story happened exactly the way that it said, but we're missing one one core piece of this, uh, is that the eight-year-old is always present at the robberies. This is not the first robbery that the man has done. Uh, he's 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 been burgling for a long time uh, and he has really, you know, just kind of wiped out the countryside, taken everything he can. And and his, the eight year olds are always with him. But the actual part that they're leaving out is the fact that um, it's not actually a child. Uh, it's just a small person. It's a it's a someone with, you know, primordial dwarfism. OK. And that he is actually the the ringleader of this, okay? That he has to get, you know, larger, you know, people that are a little more abled body to, to kind of play out his criminal schemes and that he's always on site to make sure that he directs the action and that things go well. And in this situation, uh, the man is going to go to jail and they're going to try to take the the presumed you know child to a uh to an orphanage but that uh you know the real villain is gonna is gonna break out and and save the man you know and it's really like it's really a, a story about what happens when you know you have a, a confluence of of uh of a, a genius mind and the ability to manipulate people and a uh a nice like kid-sized frame all wrapped up into one and uh, you know, I think he's a real danger to the community. So I think that's what's going on here. So, he's a real danger to the community. Real danger to the community. 
Oops. There we go. Craig, let me put that up there so you can look at it for a couple seconds until you're ready to so, start talking. <clears throat> Hi. <laughs> oh, we, have, we have an extra contestant today. Yes. So that's really good. I'm not going to try to compete with that. However, I have a true story, and it's just convenient <laughs> that this one walked in here. So we're at the gas station the other day, and I sometimes prior to COVID, I was like, hey, you guys have been good. We'll go to the gas station, buy some treats. So we did this you know, a while back. And we're going to check out, and I feel Christopher, this one, put his hand in my pocket when I think, oh, he, you know, he's just feeling a little nervous. He needs some comfort. So I didn't pay any attention. So we pay. We get out to the car. I reach into my coat pocket to get my keys, and there's an extra piece of candy in my pocket. <laughs> so not only did he figure out already how to get the free candy, but he figured out a way that if we're caught, I get yeah. busted for it. Yeah. <laughs> he turns you into a candy mule. Right. And he's like, Dad, Dad, what have you done? We've tried to teach you. And he thinks it's funny, don't you? All right, I'll be right out. <laughs> okay, Craig, are you finished with your pitch? Yeah, yeah, that okay. always is too good. I can't, I can't beat that. All right, no worries. Okay, so we have one more story. This is our final story today. So looking for you guys to like give it or give it your all, really bring this home. This is called questionable judgment. Sean Michelson, 41, told police in Jupiter, Florida, he was only trying to be a cool father when he let his friend's 12-year-old daughter drive his Jeep on June 8th. Police saw the Jeep make an illegal U-turn and speed away and followed as the vehicle hit speeds of 85 miles per hour in a 45-mile-per-hour zone. They're only three away from time travel. They should have hit the gas a little more. <laughs> the underage driver told police that Jeep owner Michelson, who admitted he had been drinking, told her to drive fast. <laughs> All right. Um, <clears throat> so clearly, uh, this is an actual kid. This is someone who's suffering from primordial <laughs> dwarfism. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's where no. I'm going. You might as well get there first, man. <laughs> no, it's it's not a real person at all. It, it's an AI, you know. And um, I've got another one. And yes, I've got two of them. They're the same. And uh, what the hell am I talking about? Um, so yeah, it's, <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's a, it's an AI. It's like a robot, and it's made to look like a child because children are typically considered, you know, more innocent or harmless. We know that's not true, but that's how they're mm. viewed in society. So the, this little AI robot can get away with, with a lot of things. And this dad has been, you know, using his car and this robot child to ferry his drugs around. And so, you know, the police show up and he's like, all right, we're going to get busted. Go. And so the child gets in the car and, you know, hits the gas and drives off. And they can play it off like he's just being a good dad. But unfortunately, the I can't even pay any. <laughs> I'm going to stop right there. I give up. <laughs> They're both here. And then they were all aliens. And then they were all aliens. They're all pod people. Yeah, I remember yes, that. Yes, there you go. <laughs> I even bribed them. I was like, candy if you're good. But anyway. They want to be famous. That's go. what they want. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Minor internet fame. All right. All right. Steal you. it away. <laughs> um, okay. So I think that this is, uh, uh, I think that Shawn Michelson is a um 
I think that Shawn Michaelson is a is a geneticist, okay, and that Shawn Michaelson has been uh, losing some funding. You know, the public is kind of losing their will to investigate some genetic things, you know, right now, because there's a lot of other problems in the world. And so uh, he, he lost a few key pieces of grant money. And so what he has done is he has uh, moved a lot of his research to his, his home, to his basement. And so what he's done is, you know, he had one of the genetic replicants that he's been building living with him as a, as a, as a, a child, one of his children. Uh, well, he kind of started feeling his Wheaties a little bit, and he was sure he could make another one. Uh, but the other one that he made is not quite the best copy. Um, and so what he introduces as his friend, uh, his kid's friend to the police, is actually uh, a, a, a clone that he made of his clone, and it's degrading in quality a little bit. And so, you know, it's not bad. It's just kind of mischievous, you know, always wants to drive the car and kind of do things. And so I think that we're dealing with a with a clone, not exactly a proper pod person like we'd been dealing with before. This is just a different a different page of the of the cloning playbook. And uh, he's just got to keep a better eye on his uh, on his clones. So it's a different shade of pod person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it. <laughs> All right. Still confluence working that. Versus versus clone. Oh, like, right under the <laughs> a confluence of pod people. Yeah. yeah. All right, everyone. That is our show for this week. I want to thank Craig and thank RA, also known as the Dread Pirate Roberts. If you look down below, it says visit storyonthespot.live. If you go there, you can see uh, past episodes. You can see all of our links to all of our websites where you can go check out our books and stuff. And there's also there's also a podcast for the show. All this show is available in podcast form. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And you know what? We'll see you next week. Later. Buddy. Later.